Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Footy Brains podcast. We have Josh back today to uh, provide final thoughts on the round one team list for the Vegas games. Josh, mate, how you doing? Doing well, mate. I'm free. And now the study really begins, NRL fantasy. So I'm primed and ready to go. Yeah, definitely the more important of the the two things compared to your, you know, your profession. (laughs) Righto. So the two games we've got with Manly taking on the Rabbitohs and the Roosters taking on the Broncos. Let's go through the most owned players and just touch on um, a few of the talking points about them and why they're popular and, you know, whether they should be buyers, whether they should be avoids, what we want to do with them, that kind of thing. How's that sound? Sounds good to me, mate. Righto, let's get stuck in. So starting off with the most owned player from this weekend's games being Ben Trebojevic. Uh, Obviously not going to be a mainstay in most people's teams, but one that I think most people are going to have to start with just because he is one of the only good centers coming around um, for this first round. Uh, What are your thoughts on him? Mate, I wish the center position, we said it was gross at the start a couple of weeks back. It hasn't improved really. Um, I guess with the exception of Ben Turbo getting that uh, edge spot. So I think he's he's pretty much a lock. He's basement price. It's pretty low risk. He's pretty high owned. Might be able to get you a 40 plus for these first couple of weeks, depending on what Josh Schuster's doing. And I think there is a chance that he wins this spot long-term past this week or gets himself a little bit more of a relevant role versus like the 10 minutes he was getting at various points yeah. over the last couple of years. I think he can work his way up to like maybe a consistent 40-ish, if not an 80-minute. So I'm happy to roll the dice on him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, when you've got he's, – he's owned by 48% of teams. So when you've got half the half the coaches in the game owning him, I think it's pretty safe to just pick him up round one. If he flops, well, at least ha- you know half the teams have flopped. So you're not too, yeah. far, uh, like too far behind the eight ball um, on him. Yeah, like you said, the only issue is Schuster. I guess he, he is predicted to come back next round, but – whether that means he's going to come straight back into the squad or via the bench or what they're going to do with him, it's yet to be seen, really. And his last couple of calf strains, it's taken him way longer than the estimated time. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this lingers on for another three, four rounds after this week. Like, yeah, he's had a history with him to, to keep him going. So, um, yeah, I think he's definitely not a bad shot, Burbo. Yeah, fair. I think we're all going to be starting with Burbo. Um Right, I'm moving on to the next highest owned player in 43.5% of teams is Payne Haas, and for very good reason. Um, is Haas a lock in your team? I know he's for me. He's not, mate. I'm Ooh, probably going spicy. a bit against the grain with this. Yeah, he's obviously high owned. He's obviously owned um, at that percentage for a good reason, but I'm just looking elsewhere. Like I'm rolling with Cleary Hines Grants. That's taken up a lot of money. Um I, I'm really keen on Hopgood this year, and I'm actually starting Hopgood over Payne Haas, which is a little bit juicy. But that's, I guess, I'm going the ups, a bit more upside of Hopgood and some more possible like meat pies versus the consistency of Haas. Yeah, I think that's why I just can't go past him. He's just so consistent, and especially without Flegler there, I don't think there's a ton of upside. Like, I don't think he's gonna, you know, score, start scoring. 68 and 70 plus or anything like that. But I just think his, his consistent scores in the 60 mark will just be um, good enough and then be maybe elevated by one or two points with Flegler gone, maybe taking on a bit more workload, um, a few more minutes on the field, that kind of thing. So 
obviously yet to be seen, but I just, yeah, he's such a safe option. But I can understand, 880K, fair enough if you're not going for him. He's just so expensive. And when, you, when you're carrying Hines and Cleary, yeah, very hard to fit him in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Moving on to Brendan Piacora, uh, 40.4% owned. And yeah, for good reason. He's taking over Capewell's spot. I don't even think we need to touch on him too much. He's taking um, Capewell's spot in this back line. Um, looks like he's going to be, you know, averaging around the 40 mark, maybe even higher if he gets a few attacking stats. I think he's a pretty much set and forget for most coaches. I think so. There's so much value in this edge position. We saw it last year with like the Cardi Party and Dory. Um, Preston. Pick Laura. Yeah, Preston. He's, he's another one of this mold who I think is set to make at least kind of 150-ish K um, and could be someone you hold for it, you know, through the origin period potentially as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good shout. Uh, the next highest owned 34 and a of teams and falling quickly actually is Xavier Willison uh, bench forward for the Broncos. I think news came out that Marty Tapau might be being elevated to the 17 and he might be dropping out, which is why I think a lot of coaches have dumped him, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, what are your thoughts around him at the moment? Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of that chat as well on the interwebs. Um, I think still all right to start with him if that's what you want to do. I've decided to kind of take your advice and go the, the double rooster approach on the edge versus Wilson. So that's kind of the way I'm leaning at the moment. And then I think Wilson's going to be relevant at some point this year. So I definitely don't mind starting with him if you can afford it. And there's a chance I still will. Maybe I'll upgrade a Sam Hughes to a Wilson. I don't even know if that's an upgrade, um, given he might not be playing this first week. But I think Willison will be around the trappings at, at some point. Um, just yeah. looks like he's not starting round one. Yeah, I think he's going to be in my team until it's confirmed that he's out this weekend. If he is out, I might go sideways to like a, I don't know, a Kane Bradley or someone like that, a Sam Hughes, like you mentioned, it, maybe even a Jamin Salmon. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah, it just depends if he's actually in the team or not. So we'll just wait and see uh, an hour before kickoff on Willison, I think. That's pretty much all we can do. The next player is... Uh, pretty high owned, 24.5%, and that is Reese Walsh. And I don't think I get the, like, why people are so interested in Reese Walsh, especially a quarter of teams. Like, I get he's a good player, but fantasy wise. He's looking as well. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. Must be. But, um, yeah. The dark eyes, they draw you in. <laughs> yeah, but like, he's it, 25% of teams or 24.5%. Like, I don't see huge upside. I don't see much changing for him. Obviously, he's young, so people probably think he's going to keep developing. But is his score really going to change that much? Is he going to start hitting, you know, mid to high 50s, 60s plus? I don't know. I don't think so either. He's, I don't know. He's more of an upgrade option, I think, for people later on. And hopefully, for those who don't own him, I guess, that like he drops a little bit in price and then can we can pick him up for like yeah. close to 500k. Because uh, I think, like, he's obviously a good player. He's going to finish in that top 10 wing of fullbacks, you'd say. But, yeah, probably not the way I'd be going. If I was going to spend up on a wing of fullback, I'd probably be looking at a Turbo um, or even, like, a Latrell. I don't know, probably other guys apart from Rob, apart from Walsh. Yeah, i tell you who you should be thinking about. Walsh is 664K. Tedesco, 670K. Only 6K more. And you get an outright proven gun 
um, that's at a discount as well. He's only 3% owned Tedesco, and he probably won't be a player we even talk about because he's so low ownership um, right now. So maybe we should touch on him. If you had to choose between Walsh and Teddy coming into this first round, who, where are you going? Yeah, that's actually pretty close to me, to be fair. Like, Tedesco starts slow to the season traditionally, but he is heavily discounted in what it usually is. Like, yeah. he's been a consistent performer for years now. Um, Reese Walsh has a bit more volatility, but probably has now, like, the biggest scores in him that I'm not sure if Tedesco... I'm not sure if he still has, like, 100 in him, Tedesco, but I think Reese Walsh does. Um, oh, huge. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I th- I think I'd lean to if I was choosing a premium winger fullback out of the two, I think I'd still lean Tedesco just because of the safety normally in his scores. And the Roosters were, you know, diabolical last year. So I think there is some safety in going with Teddy to start the season over Reese Walsh, just because there is upside in Tedesco. Whereas we haven't really seen Walsh go above, you know, his current scores. So yeah, still but, yet to be seen. Yeah. You're buying Walsh at his peak. You're buying Teddy at a discount. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, moving on to the next highest owned, twenty three and a half percent. Siu Wong, he was yeah. in everyone's teams before we even got into preseason because everyone just assumed he was going to get the edge spot. Well, he did get the edge spot in the end, but he's also partnered by Tupanua, who we'll touch on later. But Wong, you said you've got him in your team. Yeah, he's been the most recent addition of you know change fifty that I've made in the last few hours. Um, <laughs> he's. I'm pretty keen on him. Like, I think we forget about him that he's been, you know, uh, hugely kind of like touted and everyone's been speaking about him for years, but he's finally kind of got this starting spot. We haven't really seen much of it. Um, it as in Wong, you know, on yeah. the field, what's it going to be like playing in this Roosters team that should be pretty good. He's young, bit of unknown X factor. I kind of like taking the risk and now, especially because he's, um, creeping up the kind of percentages of people owning him. I think he's, um, yeah, definitely a good shout. Yeah, I think we should touch on Tupanua in this, uh, well, at the same time. Tupanua is 15% owned as well as Wong's 23.5. Wong, obviously, he averaged mid 50s, by the way, in New South Wales Cup, which is why people are high on him as well for NRL. Um, his average in the NRL from last season at 32 is because, you know, he came off the bench a few times, started a few times. But generally when he started, he was in the low 40s of an average. So I think it's fair to start with Wong if he gets 80 minutes. But yeah, it's it's still yet to be seen whether both Wong and Tupanua will get 80 minutes, especially when you've got Nat Butcher amongst the bench that could come and take that edge spot. But then again, Butcher could move to lock. He could move into the front row as another forward. We don't really know what that rotation is going to look like. And then it's going to change again next week when, you know, Hargreaves is back. So... It's really, we don't even know if after this week we'll be sure which one's going to be the better performer as well. That's fair. I think, yeah, with Wong, like, it's probably unrealistic that he's getting 80 minutes. So I think that's something that you have to factor in. But it doesn't worry me too much if he's still hovering around that, like, 55, 60-ish minutes. I think he can still do a decent amount of damage and probably get to around that 600k mark kind of doesn't worry me as much with someone like him because he's got a bit more kind of attacking stance. He's got like an offload and he's got the missed tackles and things like that. Yeah. A bit more kind of upside. Whereas Tupanur, I think he needs that 80 minutes. He probably doesn't have as many of those stats that Wong, I think, will get, like the offloads, I guess. Um, 
But I think they're both like decent shouts for the start. I think you were right what you were saying last podcast that Tupanua probably gets 80 and Wong gets, yeah, that like 55, 60. Yeah, I think that that seems the way it's going to pan out. I mean, Wong has a break-even of 32, Tupanua a break-even of 30. I think they both should see at, at minimum high 30s, but more than likely, you know, low to mid 40s. Um, and they yep. both should probably be buyers, like you like you're mentioning. They're both in my team at the moment as well. Um, but I, yeah, I'm trying to fit other players in, and I don't know if I can carry both of them, so I might have to make a a late decision. But we'll see. I think if I'm leaning one, I'm kind of I'm intrigued by the upside of Wong, especially him being a bit higher owned now. Yeah, that's fair. Then you're upside. playing a bit of safety, you know, safety in, in numbers with everyone, all the other coaches. So if Wong does go bad. You know other people are going bad with you. That's probably a good like overall strategy for the start of the season, just to alleviate risk, keep yourself kind of in the hunt early. Yeah. Um, either way, these guys are going to make you like a bit of cash, most likely, and then you know you can kind of pot up and do some things later on. We've got kind of more, you know, we've seen more games, kind of can see the trends, how players are shaping up, things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Definitely play risk averse for the first couple of rounds. Moving on to the next player on the list is Ezra Mam at 20 and uh, 20.3%. Don't really get the upside in Mam at all. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is another vibe-based, similar to a Reese Walsh. Like, he obviously had the, the grand final and looks really good. Um, but, yeah, he just doesn't have that kind of consistency that you look for in your halves. He's not really on my radar, mate. Um even though he is nicely priced, I guess, for 450k, like he could. Like, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get to around 600k. Like, I think there is some potential, like, cash increase with him, but it's like he could come out and score you a, a 50 plus and he could score you like a 12 the next week. Like, he's yeah. <laughs> yeah. just like good luck trying to figure out which games he's going to go off and not. Um, and those, yeah, lower weeks going to hurt you. Yeah, I think like he's got a low break even compared to his normal scores. Like he normally averages the, the in the high thirties, so he does have a little bit of cash to make. But you're going to make you know fifty maybe sixty k off him if that, and then you're going to have to sell him on from there. Like you're not going to make he's not worth the pickup if you're not going to make enough cash on on him, and you're going to have to waste a trade to get him out. So I think there's just better better options in the halves that'll probably make you more cash than man will. Like you could easily trade down to a Hutchinson 50 K cheaper and should get you the same scores, if not more as well. So there's, yeah, there's, there's plenty of other options there in the halves. I think. Yeah. Like that shot. The next on the list is Spencer Lino at 19 and a half percent. Don't get this one either. Uh, very, very highly owned for a, Yes, a prop that is starting, but with Warrior Hargreaves coming back next week, I think you've got to give him a couple of weeks before we jump on that bandwagon. Um, what are your thoughts with Lenio? I think so as well. He always kind of looks enticing because he's playing in a good team. He's obviously got like an offload and he's an exciting player, but uh, I don't know. I just haven't seen it yet. So when it, when it happens, then I'll maybe think about it. But I think a lot of people fall for this trap with Spencer Lino each year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's always cheap, isn't he? He's always cheap yeah. to start the season, and for good reason. You always like, oh, Spencer Lino, what's doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, not for me, mate. I'm looking elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think if he, you know, if he performs round one, and then we see him, you know, keep the starting role in round two with Hargreaves off the bench or something like that, then we can start to consider him. But 
yeah, I think to start the season, not for me, like you said. Next on the list is Brendan Smith at 18% ownership. Um, are we falling for this trap again? Because I don't I know, know you like the look of it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, I'm still, I still want to go there with Brendan Smith just because of his potential to score, you know, the 50 pluses and the fact that his break even is only 39. Like, I just feel like there is so much cash there if he can stay fit and on the field. You're a believer, mate. And, you know, good on you. Um, he's been, he's hurt me too many times. Like he might come out and get a 45 or 50. He looks really good. And then he'll, I don't know, maybe he gets injured or just like get suspended. I don't know. He just like keeps finding bad luck. And um, I guess for that reason, like potentially he's, he's a good, Goodbye. Like if he strings together, he can, you know, hover 650, 700k in that range. But I don't know, mate. He's kind of awkwardly priced. I prefer looking at guys like Lukey or Tupanua, Wong, all these other kind of like mid-range guys there higher on the list versus uh Brandon Smith for me. Yeah, I think it's just people trying to find that bench hooker that they want to go with. Um I know yeah. that I talked about it um, on the last pod with uh, Lusick and Hands. After that last trial, it didn't give me much confidence that only one of them is going to be playing 80 for Parramatta. And I just think come teamless next week that Brad Arthur is going to put both of them in the 17, which uh, that would be ideal. Ideally, you would go with like a Grant or a Robson and, you know, Lusick and Hands in your team and your two hookers are sorted. That's plenty of cash um, there to generate. Plus you have your gun hooker but it just doesn't look like that's going to pan out. So I just feel like we have to spend a little bit more in that hooker position just to just to solidify a couple of good options rather than some, you know, maybe, maybe they'll perform, maybe they won't, who knows kind of options. Yeah. That's a really good shout and something I hadn't really considered because I've got Brennan Hands locked into my team at the moment and I'm not the most confident in him. Yeah, especially when you've got these like first the first round here, as soon as they lock out, like you don't have the option to go back to Smith next round or well, next week, because even, even if they do get named and well, it doesn't even look like it's going to be hands at the moment. And it looks like it's probably going to be Lusick um, based on the trial, but you lose the option of going back to Smith if both of them are named next week. So you've, yeah, you've kind of got to take the leap now. Um, and you know what we we're saying before, you know, you've got to play a bit risk averse. You've got to, got to play it safe. It might be safer to go Smith. You know what, mate? You convinced me. And probably the thing that helps out as well is Harry Grant has a buy around four. So, like, you're going to need someone relatively early in the season to cover that. Looks like it might be Brandon Smith. Yeah, I've, I I still think even if you do go a Grant and a Smith, there is still the option to to pick up Lusick or Hands if they yeah. are, if one of them is named. But obviously it's going to be a bit harder because they're not basement price. But you still have that option to pick them up and chuck them in your interchange of your emergencies come next week. So I think it's just better to play safe and have Smith rather than not. Cause then, yeah. What other hookers are there really like outside of, you know, Smith, Lusick and or hands, who else are you going to have? That's, you know, sub 550, 600 K that you're confident will get you 45, 50 plus every week. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, there's not a lot I of hookers really in that like, range. I do really like Marshall King, but you're spending another 100K to get him in. Yeah, 650. Um, 
You want to go back to Tanner right, Boyd, yeah. but he's still expensive. <laughs> nah, never. Appy would to be myself. great. Appy would be excellent, but the Tigers with the round one buy, I just can't consider buying any of them, which is uh, a bit unfortunate. Yeah, he might be getting the goal kicking too, which would be yeah really nice if that is true. Um, but with whatever tries they score, but yeah, with whatever tries they score, yeah, I, I think they'll have a better season, which. Isn't going to be hard because they were literally the bottom last year, weren't they? So um, you'd hope they'd go better than that. But yeah. I'm, yeah, I don't mind them, the the Tigers this year to bounce back a little bit. So if yeah, they fair. do, um, he's not a bad shout, Abby. What do you think? 17th to 16th? Or do you think still dead last for the Tigers? Not dead last, but kind of in that hunt for the eight. I don't think they'll make it, but I think they'll be, you know, in with in their shot. In the maybe. hunt. For the eight. Yeah. Come like halfway through the season, they'll still be in that conversation. Unreal from you, Josh. I think they're going to be a bottom three for sure. Hunt <laughs> for the eight. That's incredible. That's a that's a shout and a half. <laughs> if they make that, mate, that's that's incredible. We should put a bet on that. We'll talk about that after the pod, I think. <laughs> still got a good team. They've got Pappy. Not Pappy, but IPAP, you know, Johnny. I don't know. They got some got some pieces. Yeah, they had them last year. That that didn't help. Yeah, them that's true. <laughs> <laughs> they got Caesar. They needed a, like a, an actual solid half. Anyway, we're getting off track. Let's get back to the games we've got this week. Um, moving on to the next player that's uh, at eighteen percent ownership in Jesse Arthur's. We've talked about him a lot. I don't know if you're still on the same train of thought, but I'm on the side of avoid. He has never been a huge scoring winger and doesn't get the base stats required to be fantasy relevant for Arthurs. But yeah, your thoughts. I agree. He's not the worst shout, but he's kind of in the Spencer Linu mold of like, he's always cheaper at the start of the season, probably for good reason. Like he <laughs> does the same thing every year. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's one of those players. If he has a good run of try scoring, form like if he scores three or four in a row this um you know first month of the season he could be averaging around that 40 and then you're cheering and can kind yeah. of sell him off but it's risky he could very yeah. easily come out and score sub 20s so yeah probably probably looking elsewhere if i'm gonna do that i may as well roll the dice with like a jack bowstock or a ko weeks or someone like they're just as likely to do what he does i think yeah at a cheaper price as well. Because, like, yeah. yeah, for any winger fullback, they score, like the Hammer did last year, scored a try in, what, seven consecutive games, and his price skyrocketed. Perfect time to sell him, which most fantasy coaches did. But the people that held him were like, yeah, he's scoring really well. You, you lost all that cash pretty much after the next two, three weeks because, yeah, he dropped back down to his base. So Arthur's is going to be the same. If he scores a few tries, yeah, he'll he'll increase in price. But he might be like Calm Pereira last year where we're waiting three, four, five weeks for him just to score a try. So we had some price rises. So yeah, I wouldn't want to be holding up as, especially if he's um, prone to low base stats and, you know, scores in the high teens, low twenties. Yeah. It's, it's not worth um, 340 K. Agreed. Righto. The next highest is Tupanua who we've already touched on. We think he's a buy at 15% ownership. Uh, after Tupanua is Jacob Gagai at 14.9%. I think this guy is the biggest trap uh, ever and people are falling for it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, my question is first, how long is Tyron Munro out for? Is he 
I think he's week six, seven. He's meant to be back around six, seven. Around six, seven. Okay, yeah. so he's. So do you think he's potentially got five weeks in this team? No, I think he's got one week. One week in this team because Isaac Thompson wasn't allowed into the US, which is why he oh, didn't travel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think Thompson comes straight onto the wing as soon as they're back in Australia. So <laughs> I just don't see his longevity. Or they could pull well, they could put him in the centers because Whiten is back in what, round three? So they could put Whiten as well. Yeah. yeah, Whiten into the centers, Milne goes to or Kenna, sorry, goes to the wing. It there's so many things that could displace Gagai that he is just too risky to pick up. Okay, that makes sense. I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested. Like, if he's got, if he had security, if he had five or six weeks in the team, I'd be kind of interested. But yeah, yeah that, yeah, too risky. Yeah, if, yeah, absolutely. If he got all the way to, you know, if Munro was the only option that could replace him and he got all the way to round six, get on board. Like, that's five rounds that he could potentially score a try or two, make some cash um for you but yeah not when there's four or five different options that could displace him from this team i think he's just one to steer clear of i don't want to touch any of those rabbitos backs actually because tass is in center kenar's at center gay guys on the wing i wouldn't be going near any of them i think that's fair enough yeah uh next player on the list is cam murray at 12.2 percent uh, fair enough, to be fair. Um, Murray was, what, the third highest averaging player of 2022, and he was, you know, one of the top draft picks oh, here we for go. last season. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I, I'm completely on board with picking up Cam Murray. The problem is he's, you know, 787K. <laughs> yeah, and Daniel just pumping up his tires for the picking up Cam Murray in the latest draft. Mate, I picked um, him up at like pick 16, 17. <laughs> I could not believe it. Could not believe he fell that low. Uh, I like the Cam Murray chat as well. He's, yeah, one of the big boys up there with, he's not, you know, quite Haas level, but he's in that conversation for like a top five guy every year. Yeah. The Rabbitohs have a decent forward pack, so I don't expect him to come out, you know, full guns blazing, play 80 minutes every game, but I think he'll still maintain the same minutes, but there might be a bit of an uptick considering the forwards have rotated a little bit. Kepi doesn't play a ton of minutes. Totola is still, you know, this is his first season back from like a few major injuries last year. Um, could be interesting to see how Murray plays in this pack if he stays at lock. How often does he rotate with the bench? You know, what his minute situation looks like. So I still think there's upside in Murray and fair enough to start with him. Yeah, I. he's, you know, the backbone of this team, like whatever situation that happens, even if some of these other guys get more minutes, Cam Murray is going to make up. The stats elsewhere, if he's playing 60 minutes, he'll be basing harder and things like that. Like, I don't think it really affects him too much. He's just a kind of matchup proof. He's, yeah, yeah, a weapon. Yeah, fair buy. Rate him. Uh, speak of the devil, uh, Tavita Totola is the next on the list at 11% ownership. I have tried to get him in my team, but... There is way too many mid, uh, mid-range mid players clogging up my my mids and edges at the moment. Uh, what are your thoughts on Totola? Because there is upside there. It's just whether, you know, he'll actually hit the scores that we want him to hit. Yeah, I'm also interested, but I think there's yeah, probably more players like your Cotters and your Tupanuas that I'm probably a little bit more interested in just because they've got like a bit more upside, I guess, attacking-wise than 
to Tola does, but he yeah. is quite heavily discounted. Like he should make a decent amount of money. So definitely don't hate the shout. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, if you can get him in and you have a spare spot, he's a he's a good mid-ranger to get. Should average in the low 40s because he generally averaged around 42, 43, I think, um, when he gets a full game. You know, he normally plays around the 50-minute mark. So, yeah, Totola, decent shout for some decent price rises. Next on the list. Like, oh, up yeah. on the team as well is good for him as well. Like, Jairo looks like he's going to be playing mostly edge. Some guys like Tom Burgess and Sean Kepi who aren't big minute guys. Yeah. Like, I think that probably helps him as well. Should be, yeah, averaging 45 plus minutes, you think, in this team. Yeah, Arrow on an edge really helps him because Arrow could play 50, 60 plus minutes in the middle. So, yeah, having him move on and out of that rotation to, to Tola should benefit for sure. The next player on the list was, oh, is Dean Mariner um, at 10.8%. Not really getting too much of the hype with Mariner at 450k. What are your thoughts around him? He did. I did see like a clip of him scoring an unreal try, maybe in one of the trials. It looked really good, but I'm kind of with you. I think, yeah, I'd rather go for a bow stock or someone else cheaper in the wing fullback. Not a massive fan of it. Yeah, you just look at his scores from last year when he did play on the wing. He scored four tries in three games with an average of 43. And now, because of that, his price is at 450K. If he was, you know, basement price at 250, 300K, absolutely would be a great buy, should make you cash. But at 450K, he's got to keep scoring tries consistently to, to keep that price up because his base stats aren't exactly unreal. In games where he doesn't have any attacking stats, he gets a 20. So he's got to keep, you know, breaking tackles and scoring tries. Otherwise, yeah, you're not going to make any price rises. Similar to Arthur's, really. At 450k, you can spend on like a Lukey or a yeah, Zia Wong or some of some of those, and kind of put your money elsewhere versus banking on Dean Mariner, Totola. Yeah, there's so many players: Tupanua, Piacora, so many at that price that, yeah. I think you're better off just going cheap in your in your center winger fullbacks and then pick up those points with your mids or edges. Righto. Next on the list is the one player that I had to cut, unfortunately, to make space for other players in my team. Uh, Tom Trebojevic at 10.3%. Want him in my team, but I just don't think there's any way I can fit him in. 653k. What are your thoughts around Turbo? Yeah, I'm a little bit the same, mate. Um, and just given what we said before, like there's so many mid-range guys, I think that's where I'm going to spend my money and play it a bit safer versus rolling the dice with Tom Trebojevic. But he's definitely a watch. And he could very well be my team within like two or three weeks if he lights the season on fire to start with. Definitely don't mind it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really hoping that um, the, the the size of the field will affect his scoring for round one. <laughs> like, you know, five meter, what is it? Five meters, sh no, five meters less wide and six meters shorter or something like that, the the fields are. So I'm hoping that, you know, that limited space means that he's going to struggle to score attacking stats this first round so that he'll be a, a decent yeah. buy come round three, four when he drops a bit of price. Um, and then, yeah, prime for the picking at that point. But we'll we'll have to just wait and see how that pans out. 
Yeah, I think it's just so hard to start with more than one kind of gun wing or fullback, and most people are starting with Pappenhausen. Yep. Um, yeah. To run otherwise. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, righto, we only have a couple more players that are highly owned, so we'll just go through those last ones. Um, next one at 7.9% is Pat Carrigan. I like this. You know, he's kind of in with like the Murrays and the those kind of players could easily pump out some massive scores. He did end the season really well last year. Like yep. he was more in the kind of low, like mid to even high 60s, some of those scores towards the end of the season, but he started off slow. I wonder if that's going to be the same way it happens this year. So maybe you're paying a little bit overs for him to start with, but um, yeah, as we're saying, with kind of half the Flegler absence and they're playing guys like potentially Marty Tapau or Willison, probably lower yeah. minute guys, bodes well for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. I still think Carrigan's a gun. I just think the the fact that Murray is like five, six K cheaper than him. I just prefer to start off with Murray. He's got a bit more upside than Carrigan does um, at yeah. the moment, but yeah, Carrigan's not a bad player at all. Like, I'd happily start with Carrigan. It's just that there's so many other... Well, there's two other good if options. If you're a big Carrigan fan, shoot your shot. Like, he's, yeah, he could easily average as much as Murray, but yeah, I'd probably prefer Murray or a pass over Carrigan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, next on the list is Billy Walters at 6.9% ownership. Incredible. Uh, steering clear of him completely? Yeah, that's... Yeah. I didn't realize it was that highly priced one, but he's just, yeah, he's one of those guys. We kind of talked about it in previous podcasts, like those hookers who are going to, is he going to share minutes? I guess maybe he won't. Yeah, Tyson Smoothie's on the bench. Oh, Tyson Smoothie, sorry, yeah. So he's going to be, I don't know, 30s if he's lucky and just kind of plot away. Not not someone you really want in there as yeah. Even on like the end of your bench. Yeah, really. You probably only use him as an emergency. He's not really going to be on your interchange. And at 454K, I mean, you could get Hans or Lussick if one of them is playing instead. Um, but yeah, like we were saying before, you probably want to spend up a little bit in the hookers to be safe, you know, with a, a Grant, a Robson, a Smith, just to, to play it safe and not risk losing out um, too much cash on these, you know, cheap hookers. Jeez, that sounded bad, but yeah. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Up. Yeah. <laughs> Do not cut that. Um, Righto, the next player on the list is Latrell Mitchell at 6.1%. Very, very expensive, 747k. Are you going to go near Latrell to start? No, I think this is similar to kind of Pat Harrigan territory. This is kind of like shoot your shot if you're a big Latrell fan. Don't mind the shout of going him. Uh, if you think he's going to start the season well, he could very well do like when he played last year. He was unreal. I had him for periods and it was good fun watching Latrell. When Latrell's on, you know, he's yeah, basically the best scorer in fantasy. Um, he's he's up there, like, but probably, yeah, just going to play it a bit safer, go with the mids option and kind of build, build slowly and steadily versus having Latrell. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Right, three players to go. The first of the three is Joey Manu at 5.9%. Obviously a bit more of an expensive center, but given the options at center, I don't hate it, um, to be honest. Uh, thoughts around Joey Manu, 639K. 
Yeah, I guess if you're going to go for a premium center strategy, he's probably the guy you're looking at with no, like, uh, Campbell Graham and a few of these other guys that aren't really looking like options anymore. Yeah, don't mind it. I just think a lot of people are going to be running with these cheap center combos. Yeah. May as well kind of join the, join the pack. If Joey Manu comes out and he scores, you know, a 30 and then Burbo pretty much scores the same thing. You've left, you know, 400 plus K that could have been used somewhere else kind of thing, which. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Could have bought another mid for that price instead. Yep. Fair play. Uh, another center there around that uh, around that market, 5.7% is Katoni Staggs at 550k. Uh, is this Katoni Staggs' year, Josh? Is it? It's always Katoni's year uh, <laughs> for the believers out there. But he didn't even get drafted in our league, did he? Like, No. No, Which wait, Dunham did. Uh, Dunham did because I, I spoke oh, about the fact that, you know, it's been six years of us waiting for Katoni Staggs to be a premium center. <laughs> and it still hasn't done it. Yeah, he could come out and score two 80s to start the year and then everyone's like, oh, okay, now I've got to get him. But until it happens, Katoni, yeah, not really consideration. <laughs> yeah, like he can be a gun on his day, but he's so inconsistent. He'll get you like a 60, 71 week and then he'll... You know, his base is around 20, so that'll be what you get the next. It's it's so hard to predict with Katoni. Although, I will give him the upside that Herbie's gone, so they might target him a little bit more in attack. But until until you see that happen, I think you just steer clear at 550k. It's so expensive to to put him in with, you know, not knowing how they're going to play the Broncos. So maybe one to wait and see. Yeah, it's probably just like, even if you were going to go an expensive center, like... I think there's probably other guys that you prefer, like your Val Holmeses, like your Joey Manus, who are probably more likely. Um, yeah. even you know who I'm leaning in the centers, Penasini. The penis, yeah. Get him in. Don't mind that chat either. He yeah, looked very not... good in the trial, like Penasini. He was absolutely killing it. Um, on that edge with Cartwright, it yeah, and with Mitch Moses back, I saw a few stats from some other. Uh, podcasts and some socials on Instagram um, of his stats with Moses in the team and without, and he averages like eight more points with Moses in the team. Um, so as long as Moses is playing and fit, Panasini should score well. It's definitely a left field option that I hadn't really considered. I don't hate it. Yeah. He's, he's obviously priced in, but yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of upside there. Maybe. A little bit upside, yeah. And just having someone who gets you 40s each week in the centers is could be huge. Yeah, that's the thing. He's got a very high base. Like, his base is 30. So, any sort of attacking stats, a couple tackle busts on top of that, you, you're cheering, basically, with Penasini. Especially the way Parramatta attack, there's generally plenty of line breaks and tackle busts. Most weeks, Usually anyway. Usually, well, too, Parramatta. Yeah. The March Premiers, so get on the train <laughs> while you can. Yeah, Absolutely. And we'll round it off with the last player above well, 5% ownership. So Tolu Kola at 5.2% ownership. Uh, interesting one. Um, definitely has upside, but I just think it's probably a bit too early to jump on him. What are your thoughts? I think so too. And if I remember correctly, he had some games in the last year where he was playing fullback. So he's 
I don't know if that price is like really what he's worth. Might be a little bit overs for me. Still, uh, yeah, I'm probably not too interested in him. Yeah, those games at fullback were ridiculous. I think he scored 100 in one of them and a 70 or an 80 yeah, in the other that's one. Right. Yeah, won some grand finals and drafts. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you can't base his center scores off that. Like, it's going to come back down for sure. Um, still could perform well, but yeah, like any other center, needs attacking stats. But yeah, wouldn't start with him, that's for sure. Righto, that wraps us up for the players. I might actually put one player to you just because I did get a few questions um, about him on the Insta, and I'm just not sure where to place him at the, the moment. Okay. The Insta, yeah. The Insta, okay. The Insta, our Insta. <laughs> Jai Arrow. What are your thoughts around Arrow? Because he's obviously starting on an edge, has been, you know, a bench merchant for the last two or three seasons. If he gets, you know, the starting spot, plays 60-plus minutes, can you see him being a bit of a, a play? Yeah, I like it. I think he's in the conversation with these other mid rangers for sure. He's yeah, yeah if he minutes, plays like right? big minutes, yeah. But he's always got a good work rate, you know. If he's getting yeah. 80 minutes, maybe I'm just biased because I remember the Gyro days of playing 80 minutes a lock and some of the crazy scores oh, he used yeah. to put out. The Titans, but yeah. Those are the days. I think if he's like if he's playing 80 minutes on an edge, he should be basing you know mid 40s and then if he gets a meat pie on top of that or the offload that's yeah that's a huge you know price increase and things like that yeah it it just depends how the rabbitos are going to play right this happened last year actually remember arrow was off the bench last year and he came out and scored like a 60 in the first round and people were jumping to get him in was that was that last year or the year before and then he just came back down to earth and you know was scoring in the the low 40s, high 30s type range, which is what, you know, he's generally based at off the bench. But if he, you know, rotates through the second row, maybe even moves to lock every now and then to to spell Murray, maybe moves into the front row because he can play in the forward pack. There's, there is value there. It's just how the Rabbitohs use him at this point. And just to like, I guess one thing that we could probably forget about him too, he had a lot of like random games last year. I'm just looking at his stats. He had three games where he played sub 30 minutes. So he's yeah. discounted. Um, yeah, if you take out some of those games, he's looking yeah closer to that 50-point average. He doesn't probably need the 80 minutes, but the more minutes he plays, he obviously goes better. So, Yeah, I think if you get 60-plus minutes on an edge, that should lock him in for mid-40s, at yeah. least at a base which is good because his break-even is only 40. So, you know, if he's scoring in the mid-40s, that's a, a, a decent amount of cash increases uh, for you or price increases for you. And, you know, a couple of attacking stats will get him above the, the 650 mark. So not a bad shout for Jaira. I don't hate it. There's just like at 557K, like we've talked about previously, there's so many options in that mid-range that because he's the more expensive one, he might be the one to miss out. Yeah, he I, might be. Just, just like, I don't... Now you've got me invested into this chat, mate. But um, so Jai Arrow, we've got Jacob Host here on the edge. Yeah. Do you think this is one of those situations where he comes and plays like maybe fifty minutes in the second row, subs off, and then has a stint in the middle? Is yeah. That kind of like I... what we're looking at because with like they've got like Sevilla, 
to live on. So to live in Philly, yeah. Yeah, Burgess, <laughs> Kepi, some of these lower mid, like minute guys as well. I could see him kind of doing two different stints, kind of like a Tom Gilbert or one of those as well, which yeah, I think I agree. is too bad for his, story, for his scoring. Yeah, I think that is definitely a possibility. I I reckon to play it safe with Arrow, like we've been talking about, you know, risk averse, I think you give him two or three rounds to see how they play him. And then you make your decision on Arrow, whether he's a, a pickup. Yes, you're going to get him. If he does play well, you're going to have to pay a little bit more to get him in. But it's better than the alternative of him maybe, you know, getting spelled for host after 20 minutes. And then he plays in the front row for another 20 minutes. And that's his game. Like, there's a lot of risk still there with Arrow with the way that the bunnies could rotate their forwards. So maybe just give him a, give him not, a few he's dates. He's like such a marquee player. Like, you can't. He is a marquee player, but they don't, yeah. they don't use him as a marquee yeah. player. Yeah, that's the thing. It's strange. Weapon. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap it up there. Mawali. <laughs> let's, let's not. Let's not go there. We've, we've tried so many times with Mawali to make him a fantasy-relevant option, but he just doesn't get any more than 20 minutes on the field, unfortunately. It's so frustrating. Anyway. Um, righto, Josh, any, any parting words? Anything you want to add um, before round one? No, mate. I think we've this has been nice. Just deep dive into some of these teams. I'm keen. Sure enough, I'm going to probably be on a plane while these games are playing. Like the only ones that are oh, on my time right. zone. But um, <laughs> keen for the footy to start, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if anyone has any questions uh, before the games in Vegas kick off, feel free to send them through to us at Instagram at Footy Brains Pod. Um, we will put up, probably put, put up a bit of a post on the Sunday before the games just to do a final Q and a just through Instagram stories. So if you have any questions head there, we're happy to, um, go through those. If you want us to review your team, we'll do that for all of our patrons that subscribe to our Patreon. Um, if you just want some, you know, questions answered, happy to do those through Insta, but yeah, deep dives into your team. Feel free to head over to the Patreon. Happy to help you out there. Righto. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll jump into the next set of team lists next week. Is. Yes.